just a quick uh, recap. John, this is going to be a little out of order, so keep me on your toes already. Just a quick recap of where we've been so far in case you missed it or in case you weren't listening or in case you just need to be reminded. And so we've been looking uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, which is in uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the first week we looked at Jesus calling us to be different in our posture, our purpose, and our actions. Right? We looked at this idea that, that permeates this entire uh, scripture, uh, the section, section of scripture. Uh, we're looking at the idea that faith, letting faith fully affect our lives. And then the second week we looked at, at the idea that Jesus calls us to a different prayer life. And we looked at the idea that we should become people who do not demand answers, but followers who can understand answers when they are given to us in our prayers. And then last week we looked at the idea of Jesus calling us to a different mindset, where faith in the Father comes first. The first thing that we turn to, the first thing that we think of in all situations should be our God, our faith in the Father. It needs to come first. We need a different mindset, Jesus told us. And tonight, to finish off this section of scripture, we are moving into chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel. And we're going to be looking at what it looks like when Jesus calls us to a different commitment. And as I was thinking about this word commitment, there were a lot of examples that popped into my head. Uh, the, the most obvious one uh, for someone when you get to be old like me is you think marriage, right? Marriage is a big example of commitment. And I was like, I don't want to just tell some story about being married. Boring. And so then I was like, okay, what's another good example of being married? And then I was like, well, I have a kid, but again, boring. You know, it's like, we'll get pictures of her up at some point, but not trying to be the person who only talks about Megan or Hazel or whatever. And so then I was trying to think of a good story that really showed what uh, this example of commitment as we talk about what Jesus calls us to, this different level of commitment. And then I thought, I know the perfect story. It's not my wife. It's not my child. It's somebody that probably a lot of you might not know at this point in life, which a little bit makes me sad. It's my good friend. His name is Keegan Hart. And here's a picture of us. Uh, yes, my hair used to be that long. Just kidding. It didn't. It was a wig. It'd be, that's crazy. Um, but so in, this is a picture, a really dramatic looking picture uh, from 2016 uh, where um, back when I was in charge of just middle school stuff. So uh, and we would have this was on a middle school ski trip. And so on these ski trips, what we would do is we would have these programs at night and we would make these videos months before and they would tie into the theme of the weekend, and then they would, we would show these videos, and then there would be like a, a run out and like music, and everyone was going, getting hype or whatever, and we would be the characters from these videos, and we'd come out and like do a skit. And so this year was a, a unique year because usually it was just the staff who was in these skits, in these videos, but this year, uh, Luke Kincaid, who was in charge of student ministries at the time, and Lex were having their first kid uh, Mackenzie, and her due date was the weekend of the ski trip, and so months out, we were like, yeah, Luke, you probably shouldn't be going on this ski trip if, you're gonna, if Lex is going to go into labor, and so we were like, we need somebody 
who can show up for like a week in December to film these videos and then come on the high school and the middle school ski trip. And I was like, I know the perfect person who can commit to that kind of time because sadly, he, he would be okay if I said this. He had nothing going on in his life at the time. So he was free as a bird. And I, that's why we convinced him to wear a blonde wig and pose with me like this for some reason. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, it's 2016. It's Friday morning. I get it, and we're about to leave for the ski trip. And I get a picture, and uh, what's funny is that Mackenzie was actually born that morning. Okay, so this is this Friday. Ready? Luke, my boss, I've known him for a long time, has his first kid. Mackenzie, she's born in the morning. Then we leave for the middle school ski trip. And now what you need to know about this ski trip is that I was the oldest and longest ranking staff member on this trip at this point. And in 2016, I was 23 years old. And so it was me and it was 140 middle schoolers. Yeah, it was a crazy number of middle schoolers and leaders who were all younger than me. And then me, I was in charge of this whole thing. So I'm freaking out a little bit. Going into this weekend already, I'm really nervous. And we get to there, no problems. We get to the program night one. We're getting hyped up. We're getting ready to run out in character. And so we come out, and it's me and Keegan, and we're coming out, and he's getting really excited. He's committing to the bit. He's committed to the role. And he goes down like a ton of bricks, just falls, trips over somebody, just slams on the ground. Everybody in the room is like, is he okay? He pops up, makes eye contact with me, goes like this. He had landed on his hand, and when he goes like this, his finger is pointing sideways. Like, it is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my life. And he looks at me, and he goes, and shakes the finger back straight and then commits and finishes the entire skit. And I could not begin to tell you how fast I would have just left and cried and driven myself to the hospital in that exact same situation. And this is the kind of commitment that Keegan was willing to give to just being uh, in a skit on a random ski trip in 2016. And... That's how excited I got talking about it. And now tonight, what I want to do is, is take a look at the kind of commitment that is even that is so far beyond that that it makes Keegan in a skit. It makes uh, the commitment you make when you have kids, the commitment you make when you get married, look so small. I want to look at the commitment that we are called to ask or are called to make to Jesus, and the commitment that He made to us, because that's what Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount with. He's been going on this whole time talking about all of these things that he calls us to, how to be different, these different things that we are called to do, and he ends with commitment. And as we walk through, uh, there's a couple of sections of chapter 7. He makes three different uh, metaphors, and, and they're all kind of in the same vein, and these metaphors are all building up to this idea of, of what we are to do, of where he calls us to. And as we walk through, I want to look at all three metaphors because like we talked about, this entire uh, section of scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been comparing and contrasting things. In each section, we've been, we've been talking about the comparison and the contrasting of 
different things. And each metaphor compares and contrasts two different things. Kind of what it looks like to commit to Jesus and what it looks like to not. And he's building up to the end uh, of, the, of his sermon. And we looked at that the week one where the end of the sermon he finishes and walks down uh, and the crowds follow him. Right, And so we're going to kind of look at how he ends this sermon to get the kind of commitment for crowds to follow him. And so there are three things that I want to consider about what it looks like to have when Jesus calls us to a different level of commitment. And the first thing we need to consider when we're looking at committing to Jesus is the cost of our commitment. And so in verses 13 and 14, we get the first metaphor. Uh, can you go to the verses first? Thanks. Uh, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so we see as we look at this idea of the cost of our commitment, we see the first metaphor, there are two ways that Jesus talks about here. You have the wide gate and the narrow gate. And the wide gate, he says, leads to destruction. And yet it is taken by many. The path seems easier. Many take it. And yet it leads to destruction. But the narrow gate, it is hard. It is more difficult. There is a cost to taking that path. But it leads to life. There is a cost, it is hard, but it leads to life. And the thing that I think when we look at this, this metaphor specifically, the narrow gate versus the wide gate, we think of, the, of traveling, right? If I'm going to a destination and I need to take one gate to get there, that's happening one time and then I'm passing on and continuing to my destination. But as we, as we talk about this idea of taking the narrow gate, of doing the difficult thing, of, there, of giving up something, to follow Jesus, the cost of committing to Jesus, it's not just one choice, one decision. It's many decisions. It's every day. It's in everything that we do. We have to ask ourselves, do I follow the temptations of the many? Do I take the easy path when times get tough? The path that, that might seem like it's just a little bit easier in the moment but ultimately leads to destruction? Or will I choose, will I choose to acknowledge that committing to following Jesus, to being different in our commitment means to take the narrow gate. Even though we acknowledge that it's hard. Even though we know that it's going to be difficult. Even though we know that not many take this path. But we know that it also leads to life. There is a cost. We have to give some things up. And, and as we think about what that looks like in our lives, this narrow gate versus the wide gate. I think we can think of things like. You know, what are you giving up to follow Jesus, right? The cost is not uh, the negative thing coming from following Jesus in like, my life is worse now because I follow Jesus. It's, I have to give up these things that people are telling me I should be doing, I should be having, I should be thinking to follow Jesus. Because I know that ultimately, while it may seem fun to go to that party, while it may seem fun to do that thing, that ultimately, the, the, the leaving that behind, giving that up, the cost of going down the narrow gate of committing to Jesus is worth it because that path leads to life. So that's the first consideration 
is the cost of our commitment. The second consideration we have to look at is the change that comes from our commitment. And then we pick up right next in verse 15. We'll see the next metaphor is about trees. So he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so this metaphor, we've got two trees. The healthy tree and the diseased tree. The healthy tree grows good fruit and you will be able to recognize it by such fruit. The diseased uh, tree, bad fruit. And I think when we think, uh, there are so many agricultural metaphors in the Bible uh, because so many of the people of the time were growing their own food we're working as farmers, right? It would have been a common parlance to that for them. But for us, I think some of the things that, that I always think about when I see a, a tree or a vine or a flower or a bush used as a metaphor by Jesus is that it takes so much time for a tree to grow, especially for a tree to get big enough to support, uh, to even be able to grow fruit. And so I think as we consider what it looks like to commit to Jesus, we know that there's going to be a cost to that commitment. We just looked at that, and Jesus goes right into this idea of using this metaphor for trees. And I think that we need to remember that the change that comes from our commitment, right? We give up things, we move to, down this narrow path, and then we switch to, whoa, and then we switch to uh, this tree metaphor. And the trees will be recognized by their fruit, and I think that Oftentimes, we, people get frustrated when they start following Jesus. We get frustrated when we don't see immediate change in our lives. We don't see immediate uh, things turning for the better. And I think we all need to remember that there is change coming by committing to Jesus. There is uh, good fruit on its way when the tree gets healthy. When we commit to following Jesus and we commit for an extended period of time, right? It's not one decision, it's not one choice. It's every day, it's a grind. But that change does come from the out, inside out, right? We saw that as we looked at the idea of committing to a different posture uh, in week one. The cost is hard, but the change that comes will yield good fruit. It takes time. And I think, just to say, like even by being here, you guys are off to an awesome start. Uh, when I was in middle school, I, I started not coming to church. Uh, like I was going and then I stopped going. And I think that it's so awesome that you guys want to be here, whatever the reason is. Uh, I know for some of you, I'm not going to point, but uh, there's some of you that like you like being here, you like goofing around and that's totally fine. Uh, but hopefully you're hearing some of the stuff that we talk about in groups. Hopefully you're getting something. Hopefully that you're sinking in, uh, something's sinking in back there. Um, so we need to consider the change that comes from our commitment. And the third metaphor leads us to considering the lasting nature of this commitment. And I love this metaphor. Uh, it's, it's the houses. And he's actually got a bunch of different comparisons in here uh, uh, with this one metaphor. 
So verse 24, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So what I love about this one is that there's three different comparisons about these two houses. You see that the man who builds the first house, he is named as wise. He built his house on the rock and he hears and does what Jesus says. Now you see the second man, he's a foolish man. He builds his house on the sand and he hears, but he does not do. And what I like about this is that there is calling into this, uh, into this metaphor right here, the idea of choice, right? They both hear Jesus' words, but the second man does, chooses not to do them. And I think that that is, is so important. That we can be here, we can, we can hear what Jesus has to say. We might be able to even answer questions in a small group or whatever it looks like. But until we do those words, until we let it, until we commit and let it impact our life, impact every aspect of what we do, we're still just as foolish as this man who built his hand, house on the sand. And I love too that not only do they both hear what Jesus has to say, but they are both affected by the rain and the floods and the winds. It's not just this, this wise man who built his house on the rock and hears and does what Jesus said. He still gets hit by the rains, by the floods, by the winds. His house is still in the storm. He still experiences tough things. But he built his house on a foundation that can last through those storms. And I think that that is the best one of these three metaphors, which is probably why he saved it for last. Because as we think about our lives, as we think about building the foundation of commitment to Jesus, uh, of building our faith in him, uh, of having this foundation that will not yield to whatever rains, floods, winds, storms may come our way. That's the kind of commitment that Jesus is calling us to. And, and uh, what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is the last two verses, verses 28 and 9, because I think we can learn a lot from the response of the crowds that heard him. And when Jesus finished these sayings, it says, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. They were astonished. What is our foundation built on? What does our commitment to Jesus look like? And how does Jesus calling us to a different commitment change what we need to be doing? How can our response to what Jesus has done for us be like the crowd? Can we be astonished by his authority? Jesus calls us to be different, to a different commitment because he committed to us. He came to earth, fully God, fully man, to teach, to heal and to die, to commit to us, to die for us, is the ultimate act of commitment. And can we answer his call for all the commitment that he has shown to us to commit differently to him? 
So that's what we're going to talk about tonight uh, in small groups as we wrap up our Sermon on the Mount series. I would love to pray for us before we go. And then uh, we've got a couple of different small group scenarios because leaders are sick and all that that we'll go through. But Lord Jesus, I uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to dive into your words, to hear what you said to the crowds that followed you, to the disciples that followed you, to the students and leaders in this room that follow you now. Jesus, be with each and every one of these students and leaders as we seek to answer your call to be different, to, to, to change what we're doing and how we are approaching working faith in you into our lives. God, be with each and every one of us as we continue to discuss your word and its impact, not just for the rest of our lives, but for eternity with you. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. And all God's people said, amen.